Hey everybody, this is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music Podcast, a podcast where we discuss music genre over a glass of wine. I am so sorry that I am late this evening. I've been um, kind of busy today. I had an earlier podcast um, that I did with one of my other shows. Please check it out at the More Self-Discovery Podcast. That was a good show about relationships and how we can keep our relationships um, spicy and keep it um, alive. Um, it doesn't have to just because you're you know in a relationship in a partnership does that mean that you have to be um, dead? Okay, so um, please check that out. Um, today's is the last episode, episode twelve, for the more wine and music uh, jazz genre. So. I'm going to do my countdown and let's get into it. Welcome back. All right. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody to please hit that share, hit that hit that live, uh, hit that like and subscribe button to the More Wine and Music podcast. Um, I want to keep continuing to bring on um, good content. So if you will, just please uh, hit that share. Sharing is caring. And I want to also give a special shout out to my cousin. Today's my cousin's birthday. Um, Jocelyn Deneen Zavozik, happy birthday to you. All right. Anybody else who has a birthday out there, I wish you happy birthday as well. All right, let's get started. So season two was about jazz and the uh, creation of jazz. And we talked about a lot of um, known artists as well as lesser known artists. So I want to have a dialogue with the audience and the viewers to see um, which ones were your favorite um, biographies that I brought to you this week, this season. We kind of learned um, from episode one that uh, about the history of jazz, it really came from the ragtime genre, um, which ragtime was a certain rhythm that was more upbeat than the blues that which I um, featured in the first episode of the uh, podcast. So um, um, I also talked about one of the earlier artists who um, created that, uh, the, what we call now call the jazz genre, um, Buddy Bolden um, and his contribution in playing the cornet um, and, um, how, and how influential he was, even though his life ended um, somewhat you know, it, it was just, you know, distressful. He ended up having, um, I think it was syphilis and he um, passed away in an asylum, but he made a contribution 
of um, jazz by his playing of the cornet. Um, also, as um, we talked about Miles Davis, Miles Davis is one of the well-known trumpet players in all time in the history of jazz. And we also, we just talked about him last week, matter of fact. And we also learned that, you know, Miles, he was, uh, even though personality wise, he was somewhat different, but his music was very uh, deep and um, very thought provoking. Um, if you listen to him play, uh, well, I think his breakout, his real breakout uh, album was um, Bitches Brew, which is, was in the early 70s. So um, I want to hear feedback from the audience, um, the viewers of what everybody thought about, you know, jazz in itself. Jazz is a type of uh, music that, as I've always said, it's either you like it or you don't. It's something that is, it can be complex, but it can be also simple. It's not a um, lot of, uh, it's no, you know, necessarily lyrics. It's uh, a composition of instruments coming together and creating a uh, a unique sound and beat. So, um, and it, it basically comes with um, a band, a quintet of uh, a um, horn. You gotta have the horns, you gotta have um, the keyboard or piano. Um, you have to have the drums for the beat, um, a lot of, uh, strings or you have the woodwind like the um I don't want to, is it the cello the bass cello uh you know and it could I mean it could have different types of instruments like that to create a uh, unique sound and as we learned from the early part that uh jazz was uh was played in a lot of uh, uh, genres, like um, in a lot of venues, like uh, bars and um, clubs. And it was more of an upbeat. Um, you, you can do the swing. Um, there was a lot of uh, particularly uh, dance moves that you can create out of, of hearing the, the beat of jazz. And like um, someone has mentioned, yeah, it is so sad because a lot of the artists, if you notice the pattern, if you listen throughout the season, a lot of the artists, unfortunately, as talented as they were, for some reason, I don't know, and, and, and it's kind of true today, a lot of them get caught up in the uh, drug scene. Look at uh, someone like Billie Holiday very much um she was a heroin addict or uh, you know or or you know an opiate addict uh, we discussed about charlie parker 
bird i always i, I call him bird because of uh, i i just thought that his uh nickname and how it came about was uh very interesting to me so i'll just call him bird how he became a heroin addict miles davis heroin addict um john coltrane heroin addict but yet they were very 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 talented individuals and they contribute a lot to the uh, jazz, what jazz was today. And a lot of people have learned and emulated their playing from them. But it is sad that uh, they came, you know, into a, a age to where they had to cope through substance abuse. So particularly, um, I thought what was interesting was uh, Bolden, uh, Buddy Bolden, early in the early turn of the 20th century and how he came about. And uh, he played with uh, the King Oliver Creole Jazz Band. You know, if you go way, way, way back then, as we discussed in season one in, in the blues genre, a lot of the uh, black artists didn't get their just dues. Um, they did not um, get the recognition uh, that they were so richly deserved because again, they were, you know, it was an era to where it was the Jim Crow era, um, and, you know, you were just an entertainer and you were basically treated like, you know, the lowest entertainer. You were just there to entertain, you know, people. Um, even though they, they endured a lot, they endured uh, the, the racism coming from, a lot of them came from poor backgrounds and wanted to, and they made their way out of the South, you know, to find a better, you know, life, supposedly by, you know, they played their way out of, out of the cotton fields, out, out of the South, out of the dirt poor South. And unfortunately, some of them had to go back into that, uh, into that lifestyle that they you know, left. And, you know, not much has changed. You know, you, uh, you still, I think a lot of artists are not getting the recognition or their just um, due that they so much, you know, deserve. And they've, you know, for them to co contribute so much to American um, style of music. So um, one person that I, I thought was very interesting and I thought was kind of ahead of her time was um, Louis Armstrong's wife, Lil, Lillian Harden Armstrong. She, she was a businesswoman. And even though, you know, she was kind of behind the scenes. I mean, she really was behind um, who helped uh, create who Louis Armstrong 
you know, became. It was her and her uh and her backing. Um, she's the one that kind of created his persona, his his style of dress in his uh stage performance. She was the one who did that. And she herself was an accomplished musician, and she made sure that uh, she was savvy enough, business savvy enough to own her own rights to her music, which was very, very rare back in the, you know, we're talking about in the 40s, the 30s and the 40s. So she was very rare. Um, she, she knew well enough to make sure that she got what she deserved and, you know, and, and got the recognition that she deserved. So I, I you know, out of, you know, that was in episode six. So I, I thought Lil Hardin Armstrong was very interesting. Um, if anybody else has any comments or anything about that, you know, please put that in the chat. I, I, I thought, you know, she, I, I it may have been because she was actually literate. She actually studied music. She actually knew um, the music business. And um, I, I, I think she demanded, you know, respect. And they had, they had no choice. Even through her, you know, ex-husband, you know, Louis Armstrong, you know, even though they were divorced, they were married, but then they divorced. And, but they were business partners and they did write music together. And she made sure that uh, she received her um, her credit. And I, I, you know, again, I, I think she was ahead of her time, but lesser known because you know we all know who Louis Armstrong was, but not too many of us didn't know who um, his first wife was. So that was. That was one of my favorite episodes, I think. Um, you know, she's one of the few and, uh, you know, unfortunately she's, uh, as being one of the few, there are a lot of um, wonderful female musicians that didn't um, get recognized like they should. Um, e even though they did, you know, was the, was the anchor um, even, you know, as a, as a background artist or whatever, she, they weren't that much in the scenes, they still contribute a lot to the, uh, to the music or who or whoever they were playing with at the time. So, I mean, but Lillian did make sure that, uh, she would be recognized one way or the other. Um, another person I thought was interesting when, you know, we all talked, we know, we talked about um, Scott Joplin. Everybody know who Scott Joplin was. He was called the father of ragtime. Everybody knows the song, The Entertainer. Um, his life was cut short, even though, you know, you you listen to the song Ragtime and you you know you listen to that style of music and you you know you listen to it 
as a um he was he paved the way from you know changing the the style from blues because up until that point before rack time you know every you know it was more of the blues and coming from you know the delta um and people are moaning and groaning about the hard life that they are enduring um living in the delta scott joplin took uh decided to kind of change the the pace of blues and kind of make it upbeat and make it more fun for people to go out and have a good time you know go to these local community part um dances these barn dances or whatever or the jute joints and stuff and people you know it it, it created uh a more upbeat sound of people even though you're going through whatever the hardships of uh jim crow the hardships of picking picking cotton you had a place to go and kind of dance and be merry and i think that was part of the gay 90s if you know your history in the 1890s was considered the gay 90s because everybody was uh more or less you know dancing and prancing and everything was kind of jolly and gay um in, in a happy way so that 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 10 year span of the 1890s up until the turn of the 20th century was considered the uh, gay 90s. So it, it's more, it was kind of uh, preclude to the um, prelude, I'm sorry, to the 20s, the roaring 20s, because everybody was, you know, in the 20s, everybody, you know, the new style, the, you know, the uh, bootleg liquor, everybody was partying, have a good time. That was the roaring 20s. The gay 90s, 1890s was similar to that. So Scott Joplin came a along in that era of, of the nine, gay 90s, and he was able to actually showcase his piece of work at the uh, Chicago World's Fair in, um, what was it, around 18 in 1890. So he was able to uh, do that. So um, Scott Joplin was interesting to me. Also, um, Jack Teagarden, now, he was the only um, white uh, jazz performer that I, I showcased for the season. And, uh, you know, he was interesting because of, again, he admired what he heard um, as far as Black uh, jazz artists. So he wanted to emulate and play with you know his his heroes which was you know at the time was uh let's see louis armstrong he actually played with him um he actually i mean and he came from a a family of uh artists uh jazz artists his, his mom was a, a musician his brother and sister so, I mean, he, he was interesting and he, I, I don't think he got what he uh, deserved as far as the way he, his style of playing, because he created a new style 
of uh, what was it that he played? I think he his horn was the 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 cornet. Seemed like 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 I said, the cornet was like the um, the horn of the day to play. If you're going to play jazz, if you're going to play the horn, you will play either the saxophone or the cornet. I think Benny Goodman, I may be wrong, um, but Benny Goodman played the uh, the clarinet, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I may be wrong on that, but I think he was more of the, um, uh, the clarinet. And um, yes, as mentioned, um, Jack Teagarten was... Um, influenced heavily influenced by uh, black artists and he you know played with many of um, the black artists especially he and um, Louis Armstrong kind of took him in and mentored him and uh, you know they they became good friends and even when Jack wanted to you know venture out on his own you know it, it was with um, Armstrong's blessing, you know, he wasn't the type that, you know, was more of a hater. He made sure, I mean, he mentored him and, and, and influenced him to, you know, branch out, even though, uh, his, um, going solo didn't, um, wasn't as, um, as popular or, or he didn't, he didn't really make it out on his own as, as he would have liked, but, you know, he still made the effort. So Jet T Garden was definitely an, a, a great contribution to the uh, jazz genre. Um, John Coltrane. We all know John Coltrane. John Coltrane... I don't know. This guy, I I consider him um, deep in his plan, and you can tell in his plan that I mean he's a a, a deep soul. When you um, listen to any of his music and his the style of playing, you can um, just feel his. You could feel the music in his soul, in, in your soul. I could just sit here, and I, you know, I, I'm such a visual person. Um, if I'm in a melancholy mood, and it, it's, I can picture myself actually listening to him um, on a rainy day or something. If I'm looking outside, you know, and just, you know, want to be in deep thought. John Coltrane would be the person that the type of music that he played would be the type of music that I would play, you know, when I want to go into a uh, deep meditation or deep thought in me, that that's how, that's how his music influenced um, many people. He just has that way of, of getting to your soul um, through his playing. And unfortunately he was another person that um, had to battle um, drug addiction, but he was well liked enough to where people, uh, particularly uh, Miles Davis, ironically, who was also um, at one point was an addict, but he, you know, 
admired and liked Coltrane enough to where he 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 did all he could to help him get back on his feet. Even though he had to uh, fire him at one point, he did. And um, Coltrane was on a, I think, a three-year hiatus where he had to just get himself physically and mentally um, together to get clean. And um, uh, Davis, you know, readily took him back because he knew how much of a, a, a talented young um, musician that he was. So... Yeah, that's um, Coltrane. Coltrane uh, died in the six, like sixty-seven. So he was one of the ones that uh, his song, his influence in um, the saxophone between him and Bird, they both uh, have such a major influence. In, in in playing in, in the saxophone to where people um, from here to come after will try to emulate and 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 they use uh, both of them, especially Coltrane, a, a, as a uh, as a foundation and to to, to learn from how he played. Um, he he was a, a person of deep thought. And he's um did express his feelings through his music. So um that I, like I said I think you know Coltrane is one of the ones that really, you know, he will get you thinking. <laughs> when you want to just kind of just sit there and just be in deep thought, you know, your mind is like, you know, uh, I I just need to kind of just chill out and just you know, just be and just sit and just be in thought, you know, just have some, uh, put on some Coltrane in the background and he, he will take you there. All right. So, um, that's Waller. That's Waller, uh, was a definitely an influential, um, artist. Um, Thomas Fats Waller, he um, made his contribution uh, by uh, playing the piano, I believe. Let me see. I'm trying to look through my notes here. Um, yeah. His, his, his music, you know, his playing, um, he was actually a writer. So he composed a lot of his music. So um, and he, he he composed a lot of the uh, Broadway musicals. So he he was very um, influential in um, the uh, Broadway Broadway musicals and because he he composed a lot of the uh, the pieces for. Uh, different types of Broadway shows. Unfortunately, again, you know, being on the road, I can imagine, I can't imagine being a, uh, a musician and being constantly on the road, especially back then, even, you know, even now it's hard as, as a musician, but even, you know, back then, 
you're on the road, you're not being accommodated uh, well, especially, particularly, you know, Black artists back in the day, they weren't uh, accommodated, their accommodations was pretty much, you know, either at people's houses, if they can find, you know, someone that would take them in because they certainly couldn't go to, you know, nice hotels or anything. They weren't, you know, because of segregation, Blacks weren't allowed to um, stay at a hotel. So it was mostly, so it, it was a rough, it's a rough road. And so, um, and being on the road most of the time, trying to perform, trying to make a living by performing, obviously your diet is not uh, always the best. And Fats Waller, you know, he was known uh, being um, uh, as, you know, drinking and not eating right. And, you know, he was heavy, he had a heavy set. So, I mean, that was kind of ultimately his demise as being, you know, because of overweight and, you know, that fun, you know, all those years of doing, you know, that, of being that, uh, it, it, it'll catch up with you. So, you know, but he, you know, was a big contributor, a uh, contributor, sorry, uh, in composing pieces for, uh, different types of our Broadway shows. So when you, you know, look back at those old um, shows and stuff, those black and white shows that you see a lot of performers do, a lot of those um, music came from Fats Waller. And if you see him um, playing the piano, um, you can, you know, definitely hear his, uh, his style of, of playing and how it, uh, made a contribution to the jazz genre as well. So, but, um, you know, I enjoy talking about a lot of these artists because first of all, I, I grew up, I come from a um, musically inclined family, both sides of my family, both sides of my parents uh, have a, uh, we have musical talent on both ends. So I grew up, you know, listening to all types of music all my life. So I've always had an interest in learning, not only learning about the music itself, but the person who uh, created the music, who wrote the music. And so learn about these early artists who created the, what these uh type of music that's you know are today like the jazz and um blues rock or whatever um it really makes you appreciate you know their wisdom and their ingenuity of how they just had that gift of bringing somewhat joy in a um dismal life because um, being black, well, even now, but even back then, you know, living as a uh, black American during the, the the South, early, you know, turn of the century, turn of the 20th century, the Jim Crow era, 
they endured um, a lot and they needed to have an outlet. And of course, I think that's in um, our DNA is through our expression is through music. And so we take something ordinary, a beat or a sound and, and turn it into something extraordinary. Um, and, and that's just what, uh, that's just what we do. So I, I wanted to, uh, give homage to these artists for paving the way for, um, artists that are, you know, today musicians, they need to really look back at the history and, and see whose shoulders they standing on. Because if it wasn't for people like, uh, Scott Joplin, people like Buddy Bolden, people like uh, Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie, um, Lillian Harden Armstrong, Charlie Bird Parker, King Oliver. If it wasn't Miles Davis, if it wasn't for uh, these individuals, um, and whoever wanted, who now wants to play jazz, if it wasn't for them, I don't think jazz would be what it is now. Um, you've got artists like Wynton Marcellus now who, who still understood, who understands and, and tries to keep that, uh, that, uh, that sound of what was back in the day. He, he plays it, he has it more, um, makes it modern, but you can, you know, he still appreciates um, and give homage to the uh, the early pioneers of, of the sound of, of, of true jazz. There's contemporary jazz, you got acid jazz, you've got uh, straight jazz, um, the sounds of jazz that what was supposed to, how it was intended to be, but uh, you know, you you have to give thanks and and you know give the credit to those who paved that uh, ability for us to take upon what they did and then just build upon that and make it better. So. All right, that is episode 12, season finale, season two of More Wine and Music Podcast. I'm going to be taking a two-week break, and then I'm going to come back with episode number three. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. I can't say I'm not sure, but I'm kind of certain of the next phase of of the next genre I'm going to um, talk about in season three, I will, um, I will let everybody know once it gets closer time to, um, um, time for, for, for the next season. But, uh, I try to be sequential and, um, keep it, you know, in sequence of, of the different genres that are, uh, that came about in American music. So I'm, I'm going to try to do that. So, um, like I said, just stay tuned. Um, probably the last, the second week before I go back on live, 
I will announce the new genre that I will be discussing. So, and if you know, if you're pretty much of a history buff, um, you can kind of guess of where I will be going from, from this point, from the um, ragtime to the blues to the jazz. And so you will kind of kind of see, and you, and you can go by the, figure it out by the years that we're talking. So, but until then, um, I appreciate, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, it's already season, the end of season two, seemed like yesterday, I just started this whole podcast, but uh, again, it, it's interesting to me. It's interesting. I, I love history, always did. Um, and I particularly love um, learning about the music history. So I will see you guys in two weeks. And in the meantime, um, keep your head to the sky and um, keep listening and keep uh, sharing. All right. Have a good night. Bye.